Chapter Twenty Four of the Silver Bullet by Fergus Hume. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The Story of Frisco. It was not until Herrick was well on his way back to the center of the town that he remembered his omission to ask Robin about the typewritten letter. But after all, it did not matter. He knew perfectly well that Joyce had typed it at his father's dictation, and the denial or admission of the little man would make no difference. Things had got past that point. I must see Belcher and Kidd, said Herrick to himself, and learn exactly how Santiago managed the business. Then I'll give Firth a look in. I must find some way of speaking to Frisco. Now that he is driven into a corner, he may tell the truth, that is, if it is not likely to hang him. When he arrived at the Strand office of the private inquiry firm, he was received by Kidd. Belcher, it appeared, had gone out for the day on business. Kidd was a heavy man with a red face and a pair of leering gray eyes. Dr. Jim could put up with the ferret, but Kidd he detested. However, as Kidd was the only representative of the firm present, he tackled him, and with no light hand, for Jim was in a royal rage at the way he had been tricked by this cunning pair of rascals. "'What is this I hear about the arrest of the man Frisco?' he asked. "'Just this, doctor,' replied Kidd, in his heavy voice, but civilly enough. Don Manuel Santiago gave Belcher the tip on how Frisco could be trapped, and as me and him wanted to earn the reward, we fixed the matter up. "'Against my wish,' retorted Dr. Jim, "'did I not say that you were not to meddle in the matter? "'And why shouldn't we get the reward if we could, sir? "'I had my own reasons that Frisco should be left at large. "'You have spoiled a plan of mine, "'and likely as not have caught the wrong man.' "'As to that, sir,' said Kidd doggedly, "'I don't know. "'But right or wrong, we've caught the man "'and claimed the reward.' It is offered by Mr. Stephen Marsh Carr, said Herrick coolly, and the matter is in my hands. It is just as likely as not that I may stop Mr. Marsh Carr from paying you one penny. You had better have done my business properly, Kid. We did do it properly, said Kid in a surly tone. I don't think so. It was my wish that the Mexican should be watched. You have let him leave the country. I didn't, protested Kid who would have been insolent, but that he was afraid of losing the reward. That was Belcher's game. Belcher's price for receiving instructions how to trap Frisco, scoffed Herrick. Do you think I don't know that Santiago taught the cipher to your damned partner? You might be civil, Dr. Herrick. I shall be what I please. You are engaged by me to do certain business, and you have done it badly. Had I wanted Frisco caught, I should have told you. Now, just you let me know how it all came about. What about the reward, sir? I'll see to that, you fools, to go against me like this. I can do your business considerable damage by telling the way you have tricked me. Oh, sir, you won't do that, growled Kid, now thoroughly frightened. It all depends on how you conduct yourself. The harm is done but I must know how Santiago managed the business. 
"'It was this way, sir,' replied the cowed kid. "'Belcher watched the foreign cove, sir, and kept out of sight. "'But the Don knew him from going to the gambling club.' "'Ah, that's another matter I can spoil for you, kid. "'I know too much of your shady business for you to play the fool with me. "'Go on, man.' "'It took kid all he knew to keep his temper under this speech.' but he knew that Dr. Herrick would do what he had threatened if he was not implicitly obeyed. Had Jim been a smaller man, Kidd might have tried conclusion with his fists, but he knew Herrick too well to attempt such folly. Once upon a time, Kidd had seen the doctor thrash a larger and much heavier man. From that day, he resolved never to have a fight with a man so versed in the noble art as this high-tempered gentleman. Well, sir, he continued in a sulky growl, it was this way. Santiago spotted Belcher and asked him what he was up to. Belcher would not tell, but in the end the Don got the truth out of him. Then he said that if Belcher and me could catch Frisco, we could get a bigger sum of money than by watching him. Belcher was always anxious to know what was at the back of all this? When he heard it was the car murder case, he saw that it was a big thing for him and me. So he said he would let the Don go if he helped him to catch Frisco. Then the Don showed us the cipher. He wrote it out himself and put it in the newspaper. Frisco came to the place, and me and Belcher had a detective and a warrant. We caught him easy. He's now in quod, sir. "'and Santiago is on the high seas on his way to Mexico. "'You are a precious pair of scoundrels, kid. "'Why did you tell Mr. Joyce that I had managed all this business?' "'It was the Don as asked us to do that, sir.' "'To make trouble, I suppose,' said Herrick, rising. "'You send Belcher to see me at the Gulaf Hotel this evening. "'I have something to say to him.' "'Take care, sir. "'The ferret ain't an easy man to tackle.' Herrick paused at the door and looked the big man up and down. "'Confound your insolence,' he said. "'Do you think you or that rat can stand up against me? I can ruin both of you if I choose and stop you getting that reward. As for Belcher, if he is impudent, I'll wring his neck.' "'I'm sorry we did it, sir.' "'You may well be,' was Herrick's grim reply." "'But I ain't going to be bullied by anyone,' said Kidd, with sudden anger. "'That is quite enough, my man,' replied Dr. Jim, opening the door and speaking quietly. "'If you try that game, you'll get the worst of it.' Kidd looked dangerous for a moment, but after a glance into the eyes of his proposed antagonist, he cooled down considerably. He knew perfectly well that Herrick could smash him. Moreover, the calm courage of Herrick quelled his brute passion. Dr. Jim waited for a time, then departed, leaving Kidd growling and cursing in impotent rage. A dangerous ruffian, thought Herrick, as he went into the Strand. But I think he and Belcher know me too well to play the fool. For the moment he intended to go back to the Gulaf Hotel and see Stephen, but on reflection he drove to the solicitors. It was necessary that he should interview Frisco, and Firth would be the man most likely to obtain for him the permission to do so. 
The lawyer was in and expressed his pleasure at the capture of Colonel Carr's assassin. As to that, I am not certain, said Herrick lightly. I want to hear what he has to say, Firth, and you must get me permission to see the man. Don't you think he killed Carr? asked Firth. On the face of it, I do, replied Herrick. All the same, there have been so many surprises in this case that I am prepared for more. Besides, I am rather mad over the business. And he told Firth how he had been tricked by Belcher and his partner. A couple of scoundrels, said Firth, nodding. It's not the first dirty trick they have played. Don't you engage them again, Dr. Herrick. I'll find men who are more to be trusted. I hope to heaven that I won't have occasion to employ any more private detectives. I tell you what, Firth, ever since I have engaged in this affair, I feel as though I had been bathing in dirty water. But that I promised Mrs. Marsh to protect her son, I should not have done it. You seem to have gone pretty exhaustively into the business, said Firth, after he had heard the whole story. For an amateur, you have managed remarkably well. Herrick laughed. I have made mistakes, I admit. But then, as you say, I'm only an amateur and not the detective of fiction. He never makes mistakes. I wish he had had this case to deal with. However, the thing is nearly at an end, thank goodness. It will end with the hanging of Frisco. Who knows? He may have some other story to tell. You may be sure he will swear that he is innocent, said Firth. Very likely, responded Herrick. And the queer thing is, Firth, that he may really be innocent. It looks to me, from what you have told me, as though he were guilty. Oh, as to that, I've thought several people guilty, and have always found out that I am wrong. When they came to explain, however, I want to see this man and hear what he has to say. Can you manage it? I'll see what I can do. You are at the Gulaf Hotel, ain't you? Well, good. I'll see to it. I might come along and call on Marsh Carr. I should if I were you, replied Dr. Jim with a laugh. Always be attentive to your clients, Firth. Leaving the solicitor to arrange matters, Herrick went back to the hotel and dinner with Stephen. He told him all that he had done, and the squire was much interested. I hope it is coming to an end, though, he said. I've had about enough of this sort of thing. Think of me, said Jim with a shrug. Oh, you've behaved like a brick, Jim. I do not know how to thank you. Bosh, my dear chap, there's no question of thanks between you and myself. I promised your mother to see you through, and I intend to keep my word. And you won't let me make things right for you, grumbled Stephen. Wait till everything is squared up, then we will see. I may ask you to be my banker after all. Well, Steve, Santiago has gone away, so you are relieved of at least one of your enemies. Joyce can do nothing without his father, and that gentleman is in jail. Will you want me to go with you tomorrow? No, I prefer to see him alone. I'll get more out of him in that way. I wonder what I'll hear this time. However, let us think no more of the matter just now. We might take a turn down to see the Earl's Court's exhibition. There's always something going on there. It's not exactly like a theater, Steve, 
or I should not ask you to go. But you must be cheered up somehow. We can't stay in this dismal hotel all evening talking about a criminal. Stephen assented, as he always did to whatever Herrick proposed. They went to the exhibition and spent a pleasant evening. When they returned, Dr. Jim retired straightway to bed. I shall have a lot of talking to do tomorrow, so I must get as much rest as I possibly can, said he. In some mysterious way, Firth obtained the required permission, and Herrick found himself introduced into a small cell where Frisco sat on his bed in a gloomy frame of mind. After exchanging a few words with the warder, Firth got the man to go away, leaving Herrick and Frisco alone. So, you are Dr. Herrick, remarked Frisco calmly. I'm glad to meet you. He spoke in a rather refined voice, and did not at all look like the truculent ruffian Herrick had expected to meet. He was no longer fat, but had quite a shapely figure. Also his face had lost the redness of incessant drinking. Misfortune had sobered and improved the man. He was plainly dressed in a suit of dark serge, which, as he afterwards informed Herrick, had been supplied by his son. But even if he had been still more changed, Dr. Jim would have recognized him from the criss-cross scar on his forehead. Frisco saw him looking at it and smiled. The Colonel's handiwork, he said quietly, he marked me with a buoy in Los Angeles one drunken evening. But I gave him as good as he gave me, Dr. Herrick. He lost a finger. And Frisco fell to whistling at the pleasing recollection. There was no doubt about the man being a scoundrel. Herrick felt his way carefully. How did you know me? he asked abruptly. Frisco smiled. I heard the man who came with you call you by your name. As for the rest, of course Robin has told me all about you. You are a clever man, Dr. Herrick, and I think a kind one. If you had not been, you would not have burdened yourself with that miserable rat I have the misfortune to call my son. All the same, added Frisco with a scowl, you trapped me in a rather shabby way. Ah, that is one reason why I came to see you, said Herrick, coolly. I did not trap you at all. No one was more surprised than I at the news of your arrest. It was Santiago who put that cipher in the paper and told the police about you. And Santiago is beyond your reach on the high seas. So you see that I am not so mean as you thought me. That's it, said Frisco. You always fought fair, and I could not understand you playing low down like this. So it was the greaser, was it? By heaven, when I catch him. Frisco doubled his arm. It's time he was out of the world, said Frisco. A beating's too easy. I'll go west for him. How do you mean you'll go west? asked Herrick, thinking of the man's position, which was, apparently, considerably within the shadow of the gallows. Frisco looked at him with a careless laugh. He understood. Oh, I've been in worse holes than this, he said. Why, once in California, the rope was round my neck for horse-stealing. Carr got me out of that mess. You are a great friend of Carr's. Why, said the man slowly, 
He was my cousin, you know, and we had the same blood in us, the bad car blood. How I ever came to have such a brat of a Methodist parson for a son, I can't make out. Got it from his mother, I suppose. She was always a whimpering devil. I didn't come here to discuss your son and wife, Joyce. Frisco's my name for the time being, said the man coolly. When I get across the pond again, I'll take a more Christian one. Hmm. You won't have an easy time getting out of this scrape. Well, no, you are about right there, Herrick. You don't mind me dropping the mister, I hope. I feel friendly to you. You are about the only man in the whole lot. Stephen isn't a bad chap, but if he hadn't had you beside him, I'd have got that money. Well, I'm to be tried for my life. What are you going to do, Herrick? Something quixotic, replied the doctor. Robin has no money, neither have you, so I'm going to supply you with a solicitor and see you through. If you are guilty, I wish to see you hanged. If innocent, free. All the same, said Herrick, frankly, I tell you candidly, Frisco, that I don't think it fair to hang you for the killing of a brute like Carr. Frisco stared at Dr. Jim in a hard, unwinking manner. But he was visibly moved. You're a white man, Doc, said he, and I'm a bad lot. All the same, if you don't mind, he held out his hand. I'll take that only on one condition, said Herrick, that you tell me you are innocent of murder. Frisco drew back his hand and recovered his hard manner. You bet I'm not, he said. That is where Carr had the pull over me. There are two towns in South America I daren't go near. He burst out laughing. So you won't shake hands, said he. Well, I don't blame you. I'm a bad lot, but Carr was a damn sight worse, Sonny. You can take that from me. We are wasting time, I think, said Herrick coldly. I want to help you if I can. You shall have a lawyer to defend you. But I want to ask you, as man to man, did you shoot Carr? Frisco thought for a moment, stroking his chin. Well, there's not many men I tell my mind to, but you are one. I did not kill Carr. Then who did? I'll tell you in a few minutes. But you let me reel out my yarn first. I know most of it from Robin and Santiago. You don't know all, replied Frisco quietly. I've been with Carr these twenty years and more. He was a devil and treated me like a dog. I helped him to get that treasure, and he cheated me of my share of it. I shouldn't think you were the man to be cheated. No, in an ordinary way, you bet. But the colonel had the bulge on me, I guess. He could have handed me over to the authorities in San Francisco for a murder. Oh, don't look scared, Herrick. I'm not going to own up to all my crimes. I have committed heaps, though. Oh, damn your beastly talk, said Herrick angrily, for the shamelessness of the man made him sick. Just tell me about that night. All in good time, Sonny, said the unmoved Frisco. I stayed with the colonel and let him keep my money because I did not want my wife to know I was alive. She was a good woman, and I treated her like a brute. That was one reason. The second was because of my own skin. 
I did not want to be hanged, and Carr could have hanged me any day. The third reason, and here Frisco looked curiously at Herrick, you'll hardly believe the third reason. But it was a kind of tenderness for Carr. Somehow, devil as he was, I liked him. Never met a man I cottoned to more. He saved my life, I saved his. We fought with knives and with fists, and played the devil with one another all around. Yet somehow we stuck together and never went back on one another. Rum thing, wasn't it, Herrick? Honor amongst thieves, said Dr. Jim with a shrug. You bet that's it, retorted Frisco. So you can see, Herrick, that I was not the sort of man to put Carr out of the way. I got drunk, so did he, but we held together in that blamed house, always waiting for death. Ah, the Indians, I suppose. Santiago told you that, I guess, said the man. Yes, there was some half-Spanish, half-Indian greasers in Lima that would have followed us to the end of the world had they spotted our whereabouts. Santiago was one, but he wished for the money on his own hook and didn't split. Well, Carr's dead, so he is safe enough. But if I'm not hanged, I guess Santiago will let out on me. Then I'll have a time getting away. Was it on account of this fear that Carr built the tower? Frisco nodded. You've hit it, queer chap, Carr. A mixture of bravado and fear. He threw down all the fences and walls and left the doors of the house open every night just to show he was not afraid. All the same, he never slept but in that tower. I didn't. If any of the greasers had come, they'd have knifed me easy enough. Well, Carr went under before his time, but by the hand he least expected. Who was it? asked Herrick impatiently. Well, drawled the ruffian, it wasn't Mrs. Marsh. We had a talk. I know all about that. I saw the letter you wrote her. Oh, you did? She kept that as an ace. Robin typed it on his blamed machine for me. I wanted to get the money quietly, but the old lady went under in time and spoiled my game there. She killed herself, said Herrick, curtly. Did she now, said Frisco, in admiration. She was a screamer of a woman, not like my wife. Killed herself. Lord, he chuckled. Go on with your story. It is a story, isn't it? Well... I guess it was this way. I let Carr keep the money, when he was alive, on the understanding that it was all left to me. He made a will in my favor, and then... The devil made a later one, giving the money to Stephen, with a reversion to me, if his bones weren't looked after. I know, said Herrick coolly, and you tried to have Stephen disabled. Right you are and the blame Santiago bungled the affair. If I had been on the spot, well, that's all done with, about the will. Mrs. Marsh came and kicked up a row about the will in favor of her son, saying the colonel was going to alter it. She picked up something of that from me when I had a cargo aboard. But I never knew to after she came how Carr was tricking me. When she went, and she did curse him. I had a row with Carr. He told me the kind of will he made. We almost had a stand-up fight. 
he brought in the murder business about me as usual, and I knuckled under as usual. Then I went off to drink rum at the Carr Arms. Yes, and to threaten the Colonel? Oh, that wasn't on my own account. All I meant was that if I gave the tip to the Lima Greasers, Carr would be knifed. That fool napper thought I meant to do the job myself. Well, sir, I came back and lay down to sleep off the rum. Carr got his own dinner and then dressed himself up as he always did. Blamed foolishness, I always called it. Cooking your dinner and then wearing a starched shirt to eat it? Pa! Frisco spat. He wanted to keep his self-respect, I suppose. He had no occasion for an article of that sort, Herrick. Self-respect in Carr? Well, I should smile. However, I was asleep. When I was pulling round sober and thinking of getting up to eat, I heard a shot. Oh, I am too used to the sound of shooting not to know it when I hear it. I wondered if Carr was in the shooting gallery. After a time, twenty minutes maybe, I got up and went into the gallery. No one was there. I went up to the tower after visiting the dining room. I found the colonel dead. I was in a fright, I can tell you. In a flash, I saw that my neck was in the rope. I had threatened the colonel, and they'd think I killed him. Also, I was wanted in Frisco and South America and half a hundred places. My name would come out, maybe, but I'm not afraid of that now, Herrick, and I would be turned off as sure as a gun. I went downstairs and drank some wine in the house, and coming down from a room under the one in which Carr lay shot, I saw someone. As he came down the tower steps, it is my opinion, he shot the colonel. If it wasn't him, I don't know who could have done it. And who was it, you say? Why don't jump, Herrick? It was Sidney Endicott. Herrick stared. That lad never killed the colonel, he said. Then who did? asked Frisco impatiently. That boy just hated Carr. I never could make out why, and he was half-witted besides. Then there was the pistol. I read about it in the paper. It's just the kind of weapon a boy of that sort might pick up cheap in a shop of sorts. A man like me would have used a derringer. No, I'm sure the boy shot him. He came right upon me, as cool as you like, and says, He's quite dead. Did he say that? I swear he did. He's quite dead, says Sidney. Then, before I could get my breath, he went out into the night, and I lost him. Why did you not follow? I had to think of my own safety. It was no use my accusing a boy and a half-idiot, you see. No one would believe he killed Carr when I was in the house, and with my blamed past. I just went to the back to make up a bundle and clear out. While I was packing, I heard three shots and jumped for the door. Lord, I was in a fright. It was Mrs. Marsh. Yes, she came down looking like a tigress, and said I'd killed Carr. I was at the door with my bundle. I denied it, and said I'd make it hot for her. She said I'd better look after myself, and cleared. I didn't wait, you may be sure, for in spite of her firing the shots, I didn't know 
but what she'd roused the village. So I went straight across the moor and caught the train at Southbury. Here I've been hidden in London ever since. I had money. When that ran out, I dropped across that cipher in the paper and met my fool of a son. Then, well, you know the rest. It's a strange story, said Herrick, much distressed. It did not seem at all unlikely, but that Sidney had killed the colonel. It's a true one. Well, what are you going to do? I shall see this boy and find out if what you say is true. Oh, I expect he's such an idiot that he'll think he's done something fine and own up. But that my neck is in danger, I would not split on Sydney. But they'll only shut him up in an asylum. They would hang me. So of two evils, I choose the least. Are you off, Herrick? Yes. I'll see if this is true and get you a lawyer. Thanks, old man. You're a good sort. So long. And Frisco, quite calm, waved his hand as Dr. Jim left the cell. He did not seem to be in the least afraid, and evidently thought his release was a foregone conclusion. A dangerous, cool-headed ruffian was Frisco. End of chapter 24